Welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. And today we'll be discussing some really exciting new models for sustainable business and conscious consumption and how to creatively work towards a more sustainable future for all. Joining me to discuss this is Emily Gordon-Smith, Stylus's own Director of Consumer Product, and Sarah Arnold, founder of Hire Studio, a fashion rental and subscription service. Before we start, I'd like to say that we're particularly pleased to have Sarah with us today as she will be talking about these issues at our upcoming Stylus Decoded Future event. If you don't know what that is, well, it's an event happening on the 6th of June in London that brings our Stylus content to life across a full day of talks, keynotes and networking opportunities. And Decoded Future this year is all about the future of business and sustainability. Packed full of fantastic speakers like Sarah who will be unpicking the pitfalls businesses are facing and the opportunities that lie ahead. Now, I would say this obviously, but seriously, if you haven't got your ticket yet, snap one up from london.decodedfuture.live. You'll get loads of insights to deliver real effective change in your own business. You'll get to make connections with 600 smart business minds. And of course, you get to meet us amazing stylus folk. So anyway, enough of that. Um, Let's get on to the conversation at hand. Sarah, first of all, I want to ask, um, I want to start with a quote from you. I I envisage a future where nobody buys stuff, you said. So how does that work? You rent things, (laughs) essentially. Um... It's funny because people have thought that rental is just for specific items, specific things. You know, we've got very used to renting cars, for example. And now people are starting to get used to renting clothes. But actually, there are benefits to renting instead of buying so many different things, such as furniture. Once, you know, your house is full of furniture, but you might want a refresh... So if you were just leasing out your furniture instead, you could just send it back and get something new and you feel like it. Um, You know, washing machines are actually, domestic washing machines are made to not last. Uh, Industrial washing machines, that you know, the, the cost that you pay per wash is actually a lot less but the upfront cost is a lot more. And so when you start having a rental business model, it actually works better in cost for the consumer um, and also works better for the company creating that product. And just on the the whole rental model in terms of fashion, I think um, this year, I don't know if you agree, Sarah, but I think we're seeing some really interesting developments in terms of not just businesses like yourself gaining momentum, so looking at higher-end design, creative designer apparel, uh, but models where there's there's actually a model launching in um, September, which is a peer-to-peer rent-your-wardrobe model which is really interesting and lots of stuff happening about around kids and baby wear as well yeah which obviously has a really short shelf life yeah um, and is a massive landfill problem so i think this year we are seeing massive momentum gained in the whole sharing economy really impacting on the fashion industry um thank goodness so this is what higher studio is all about is it absolutely could you tell us a bit more about what you, what work you do yeah so i mean actually since i've been involved also with Extinction Rebellion, um, I'm shifting the focus of Hire Studio um, because I realised that, you know, when you're 
really facing the truth of the environmental emergency that we're in, um, things get kind of turned on their head. Um, and you have to find a new purpose. Um, and I don't feel that there really is anybody in the fashion industry who's really dealing with that head on. Um, so that's what I see Hire Studio can do. And if you think that we are in an emergency, I think rental becomes really essential because we need to be circulating the resources that we already have in circulation, circulating them efficiently. Um, secondly, so we're going to actually have three parts to Hire Studio. One is the rental. So we have like a rental library. Then the second is the kind of more studio part of it, which is working with brands um, and creatives to think about how they can respond to this emergency, whether that's creating uh, upcycling products or working with stylists to think about how to vision a different future. And then the third part of it is the activism part of what I do, bringing that to my community. So since I've been involved with Extinction Rebellion, I've actually just, I've brought the whole community on this journey with me from the customers to the brands that we work with um, to the, you know, stylists that we use, the photographers that we use. So just for, um, when we have listeners who... I think we have listeners all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, so for, for those uh, who may not have heard of Extinction Rebellion, I'm sure there aren't that many people in the world now who haven't heard of Extinction Rebellion, but could you just sort of introduce you know, and, and talk about how you got involved and, and what the aims there are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually had a job in a luxury brand towards the end of last year. Um, and I felt very uncomfortable with the fact that I was like helping to produce new products. The IPCC, the 1.5 IPCC report came out and I thought this is an absolute emergency. I pretty much walked out on the job because I knew that like we needed unprecedented mobilisation to be able to save the world and I felt it was my duty to be part of that. Um, I went back to dedicating my time to hire a studio, but I knew that that was not enough. There was a much bigger problem. It wasn't a, an industry problem. We had to tackle this from government, putting pressure on government. So I was looking for something to get involved with, um, and Extinction Rebellion was the only thing that I found that had a strategy that I thought had a chance of working um, so I kind of just dove in and got involved um, I started off by going to one of their NVDA trainings nonviolent direct action training days and it all kind of rolled from there um, and I also I guess mo most notably um, coordinated with others not single-handedly um, coordinated the swarming of London Fashion Week which means blocking of roads since doing the London Fashion Week swarming, I've been a kind of spokesperson within the fashion industry to get the fashion industry to mobilise. So it has such a massive influence and I think we need to be using that influence for good. So you were invited to talk to the British Fashion Council at that point and with Caroline Rush, so were there any positive outcomes from that? 
Um, yes, it's been really positive. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, we're still to see the fruits from that. So from Extinction Rebellion side, you know, we're still going to be putting pressure on the fashion industry through uh, non-violent direct action. Um, but, you know, we are in talks with them still. We're going to be giving... Um, we have a kind of standard Extinction Rebellion talk that we give and we're going to be giving that to the British Fashion Council. And um, once the staff have had, the team there have had that talk, then I think we can start working out how they're going to take on um, kind of our mission, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it's essential to get the talk done first and really get the groundwork done, and then they should really understand the urgency of what needs to happen. Personally, I think the relevance of this space where a business meets activism in such a dynamic and actually refreshing way is, is really relevant for so many different businesses and in many, many industries. Um, and it does feel as though we are gaining... A bit of momentum this year. There are things. Things seem to be happening week by week. Not you know, not least this week, after the two-week activation in central London, um, looks to be having an effect. But um, you know, just so much more can be done. And I think, yeah, for me, this space where business and activism mixed together is really, really fascinating. And also, it's hard to do in a really authentic way. Yeah, yeah, um, and. You know, that's why I've gone back to the drawing board and really brought this in to the core of the brand. Activism should be about creating meaningful change. Mm. And as we've, you know, from Extinction Rebellion's track record, we are creating meaningful change. Um, change that, you know, in a way that climate change and ecological collapse is the the kind of overarching problem of all problems. You know, if you're worried about racism, um, if you're worried about vulnerable children, you know, all, all the kind of social issues um, are all going to be affected by this. So obviously, you know, you're making the case very forcefully for change, you know, now. But you're dealing, um, especially in fashion and, and business generally, with quite entrenched systems. Um, how do you, you know, how do you change that? How do you start to to move the economy into a, into a direction that, that that makes sense for us in in the future? To be honest, I think there's only one real way forward, and that's through government legislation. And then it comes back to Extinction Rebellion doing what they need to do to put that pressure on government because that government legislation can't just come from... I know we've had um, the Environmental Audit Committee put out their report and there's some very promising things there that the government will hopefully put into practice in terms of addressing the ethical and environmental issues in the fashion industry. But... If we're going to have meaningful change for 
climate, you know, towards climate, to avert climate change, the catastrophic consequences of climate change, mm. um, then we have to take a much more holistic approach. Obviously, there are young companies and startups who get this and have baked it into their DNA from the beginning and are, you know, uh, climate positive and circular and so forth. Um, but it's much harder for established businesses to see what that future for them looks like. So I guess, uh, Emily, we, we were you were sort of mentioning this shift from linear to to uh, performance base, which I I still don't really know what that means. So if you could kind of talk about w w what that looks like. So moving from um, an ownership economy mm. um, being linear to one where actually you're, you're renting, you're sharing, etc., is something that I think, and we've discussed this a lot at Stylus, haven't we? Is 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 one that established and traditional brands and retailers are just going to have to embrace and there's such a massive and again it's about gaining mass you know really gaining momentum right now there is such a massive shift in consumer attitude towards this and people really embracing it so again as we've discussed before in in, in podcast even um the whole thing around secondhand sales and extending the life of a product through selling something on and resell uh, and massively popular with with, with teens, um, I would say is is one of the biggest sort of um, pushes around this. But brands and retailers are, are going to have to get on board with this, and and, and many who are progressive and, and you know thinking about these things are are trialing things and 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 are taking it on board. So that that's one aspect of it. Um, I mean, I think just generally the whole thing around secondhand is is really interesting and in how. How they, how brands and retailers are going to really adapt to to the shift in us, you know, not buying new things. We've just got mm. to stop buying. We've got to stop making new things. Absolutely. We've got to stop buying new things. And as that um, that shift does gain momentum, it, it's going to be interesting to see who gets left behind and which brands and retailers can can adapt. Um, but then also thinking within that, what does the secondhand market begin to look like? Which historically has always been, you know. Um, really based around you know charitable activity but that's really opening up as well now and and, it, and it's being monetized um, in so many different ways whether that's kind of peer-to-peer -peer or smart new businesses evolving um which are um involved in rental or resale etc so so what does that whole you know what does the retail landscape start to look like mm. where there will need and again I, I agree with sarah i think it will come through legislative action we will shift from being uh, consumers who who find it perfectly normal just to buy new new things all the time, um, and and, for, as a, and to be an industry that creates new things all the time. That's you know that's how big um, and impactful this this change is going to be. Is that 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 will have to come to an end. At Stylus, we're about to to launch a, a new macro trend around sustainability, and I've been working on a report for that. Um, and as part of that research. I was looking into the just transition idea um, of making sure that when we shift to these um, bright new uh, climate positive futures, um, people don't get left behind. So you're talking here about um, not making new stuff. And what happens to those people who are, who are making the stuff um, at the moment? So something that I really believe in and that Hire Studio is kind of based on this belief is that um, the circular system really starts to work when the creator retains ownership of their resources. 
because then they get to see those resources going around the whole loop and they keep benefiting from those resources. Um, so the brands that we work with retain ownership. They get feedback from our customers. Uh, if there's wear and tear issues, they are the ones that get to see that and understand how to produce things better next time. And then they can upcycle their own products. Um, so that's how I see it. it's fair because otherwise if they're selling on those items one time and then it's a retailer that gets to take care of that circular thing, then what is the purpose of the designer? I, I feel that um, the designer has to be really the the kind of centre of this. Um, the circular system works when it's it's designed from the beginning. Um, but from a um, from a say fast fashion perspective, obviously mm. uh, that world employs a lot of people in some pretty rubbish circumstances. Obviously, um, but those people, you know, what what happens to those people yeah, in this so, future? That's okay. Um, Absolutely. This is an important thing to talk about. And then it comes back to this thing of kind of climate justice. Um, and that's why we really need this absolutely holistic approach. And it has to be government led. Um, but I think we also need to ground ourselves in the truth of the crisis. Um, and that we can't always be thinking about people's jobs we need to think about saving the planet and saving lives all of our lives um we are really dangerously close to hitting tipping points that will take us to a point of no return into a the earth into a hothouse state um you know currently aerosol particles are keeping the earth cool and um, even if we slam on the brakes right now, um, we could have an abrupt rise in temperature of up to 0.7 degrees. That takes us potentially over tipping points. Um, I think so as well, the, the idea that we need to recalibrate economically and in terms of consumerism, uh, that, 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 you know, that that all needs recalibrating is not such a bizarre one right now that, you know, maybe a, a couple of years ago, um, many people would have found that um, a bizarre concept in, the, in, in relation to climate change. But actually, I think now more and more people are accepting that this isn't a bizarre concept, that actually, in some way, that, you know, that is really probably what needs to happen. But going back to the point about people who do work within the industry, it's not to say that we're not still going to, there aren't ways to consume product um, in, 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 a, in a better way. So the idea that an established brand um, or retailer can shift to be fully circular, you know, some of them have targets of five to ten years, is a, is a highly ambitious one. But within that, you know, if you can achieve that and you, you are creating product that is... Um, you know, is closed loop, then there are jobs for, you know, there are jobs for people and there is, you know, there is still business to be had. It's just that we need to be um, accelerating. I believe we need to be accelerating some of these ideas that actually are quite, you know, fundamentally just need to happen rather, rather than be, being nice to have. 
I think the other thing that's very interesting about this is that although we're talking about challenges and we're talking about um, you know problematic world scenario, this is an amazing opportunity to do experiment mm. for businesses mm-hmm. and to do some really radical things. Um, could you speak to you know any examples of that that you've seen recently in terms of brands doing some really radical stuff? Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, Sarah, you are doing this right now yourself, but um, just interested, Emily, from from a stylist perspective, what you've seen. So, I mean, I would I would say that some of the most exciting stuff is happening around um, around sharing economy and around um, peer-to-peer activity. But in terms of innovation and experimentation, there's some exciting things happening around materials. Uh, one thing that was really interesting recently was Adidas have just announced the launch of a, a trainer which is made from one material, um, which can then um, be... The material, the, the the footwear, when it's been used by the first owner, can be sent back, and the the material is then biodegraded into pellets and then reformed into the same. Basically, resurrects itself, and that can keep happening and keep happening. So it, there's effectively no waste from this shoe at all, and its life cycle is just sort of self-perpetuating, which I thought was quite fascinating. So there's, there are, you know, we're, at the moment we've been exploring the sort of wealth in waste. There's lots of, you know, uh, obviously lots of activity around using waste materials, but the idea that a product never becomes waste um, in this way I think is really quite exciting in terms of experimentation. Using waste resources I think is something that any retailer or brand no matter what scale they are um, should and can and, and, and should be tapping into and as an idea. we certainly have enough waste. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is obviously the most important conversation we've probably had on the Stylist podcast and I think it's been really fascinating to hear about the radical opportunities that are coming out of this quite uh, terrifying situation that we find ourselves in now. Um, I'd like to thank my guests Sarah Arnold and Emily Gordon-Smith, and thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available. 